52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health. Because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness. Inspiration, support, a new perspective, and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the HealthAbility Project. Hi, and welcome to the HealthAbility Project. I'm Robin McKenna. Our guest today is Natasha Brunetti. Natasha is going to share with us the influence, direct and indirect, that Ayurveda and her grandmother have had on her overall health and well-being, as well as her career. Natasha is a former finance executive turned wellness author and highly sought after Ayurvedic coach and chef. Having grown up in an Ayurvedic household under the influence of her grandma, Natasha received a grounding in the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda. She used this wisdom and her continued education in health and nutrition to reverse her own autoimmune disease. Natasha is the founder of Plant to Table Inc., PTT Delivery, and the author of www.planttotable.com. She has been published by Vegan Food and Living, World Veg News, ICE, and has recently completed her first recipe book, Legacy, which features her grandmother's recipes. Thanks so much for being here today, Natasha. We're really glad to have you. Thank you so much, Robin. Such a pleasure and such an honor to be here talking to you today. So, Natasha, before you share with us your very moving story, can you explain to us what Ayurveda is? Sure. So the word Ayurveda actually breaks down into Ayur and Veda, and it stands for or means in Sanskrit, the science of life. More comprehensive than just the medicine of life or the ways of being of life, it really is a very comprehensive science. Um, And I think we'll go back into that a little bit. I think we'll go into those details in a little bit. It's something that was practiced over 5,000 years ago, originally in India, but there are elements that you'll find in Chinese medicine, for example. So there are very similar strands through different holistic modalities. Really, you can think about it as an observation-based science as to how to live your life in a healthy way. Of course, we didn't have you know, smartwatches, things like that. So we couldn't use different tools to be able to monitor our health and we couldn't use different tools to be able to correct our health. And so this science um, came about to help us to observe through the signals of the body, illnesses and health issues and try and correct them through the natural world. Mm-hmm. So a very natural way to to heal oneself. Basically. with the with the underlying and fundamental belief that the body um, is a well-functioning, self-healing organism, uh, which I think is something that we may forgotten today. <laughs> well, I am really looking forward to hearing your story. If you could please share with us your journey. Sure. So as you said before, uh, I started off my career in, um, in finance. I um, was in finance for 20 years. During that time, I lived an incredibly intense life. I worked very long hours and I traveled around the world and I really enjoyed um, being able to to do that. But as 
my life continued from um, from a very intense start of you know doing exams and um, having to qualify for certain things to be in finance through to my financial career. As my career went up, my health degraded over time to the point where I was finally diagnosed with uh, an autoimmune disease, uh, quite progressive autoimmune disease after a number of symptoms over years. And I was put on a lot of medicine. And in the end, I ended up trying to look at different ways to help myself because I didn't want to be on that medicine. And that's kind of what led me to Ayurveda. Um, So there's a very brief uh, summary of kind of what led me to where I am today. And realistically, I think I'd been on that journey for a very long time, uh, having lived and grown up with my grandmother, who was practicing Ayurveda with us as children, uh, whether it be putting coconut oil in our hair, whether it be giving us natural remedies when we were ill, or just through the nutritious food that she used to give us that intrinsically made me feel better and intuitively felt good for me. Not that I could label why that was, I just thought it was grandma's cooking at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I, I know that uh, she was leading a Ayurvedic lifestyle. She never called it that because, of course, it was steeped in our legacy. For years and years, of passed down knowledge through the traditions of um, what she did and what her families before her did. But she didn't call it Ayurveda and, and say, these are the things that you need to do to live a healthy life. She just gave us those gifts through the things that she did for us, like nurture us and, and cook. And also I observed her nature which was a very very peaceful nature we were a very intense family we we're all in quite intense careers um, my grandmother very much stood out as someone who was a little bit more content a little bit more peaceful and centered in herself and um, versus the rest versus her own children and the rest of the family really did not suffer from many diseases even up until her mm. passing including no brain diseases and no cancers at any point in your very busy life, did your grandmother ever say anything to you about speeding along or moving too fast or not taking enough time for yourself? Did she notice that you were unwell? I think in her own way, she did. She was never one to, to lecture and to point out things, but she would just always say to me, are you happy? So I'd come to her whenever I speak about my grandmother as you know I get very choked up so you'll Mm -hmm. you'll have to uh, excuse the breaks and voice but um you know whatever I came to her with uh, a lot of the time it was me coming to tell her I got the next promotion because that's really what I thought life was about at that point of course and we all do that when we're young right (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know um I actually felt that that pressure from from my family I think because they were all very similar in that way and it's the kind of the immigrant experience to to do good to get an education um i remember my mom saying it was the one thing that they could never take away from you you know just things that kind of seep into yourself as you're a child and things that stick with you and then drive you and it's not until later that you ever really realize that those are the true underlining drivers to your life all she would say is are you happy and my grandma was, was someone who definitely could look at me and know when i wasn't happy even when i said i was happy uh, she was one of the only people in the world to be able to to do that. And, you know, I, I felt very instant peace when I was with her. Um, I would often just sit at her feet. I felt a stillness, I felt a quiet, just something, something beyond the year, something that's very difficult to describe. But she was very wise, but she would never tell you how to live your life. 
Mm-hmm. So the one thing that I just keep remembering and now I ask myself is, is are you happy? Is this going to make you happy? And are you leading and living your life in a heartfelt way that um, allows you to, to be aligned and give back to others, which is really her legacy. Beautiful. What point in your journey of getting diagnosed with this chronic illness and, and taking the medication, what was the turning point for you that you said, I need to consider or explore alternative methods for healing? Yeah, so it was, um, it was quite soon after I started taking the medication. It was actually due to not the side effects I was having from the medication, but the, the potential side effects. So uh, with the medications I was on, well, they all metabolize through the liver, but one of them especially metabolized the liver so strongly that if you walked into your normal um, doctor's office in the UK, they, they wouldn't prescribe it to you. I had to be under a specialist to receive it. And I had to have a blood test every week to make sure that my liver wasn't going into failure. And just having to do that on a weekly basis really puts in front of you what could be the potential side effects of some of this medication. Another side effect of, of a different medication was that um, I wasn't allowed to fall pregnant because the baby would for certain be deformed and have to be aborted. And again, those, I mean, those two things your liver might go into failure and um, your baby would be aborted. It makes you start to really wonder what you're putting into your body. You know, to be fair, it was the first time in a long time, probably a good uh, over 10 years, I had felt pain-free being on those medications um, because my disease had been building. Um, and this is something that's very big in Ayurveda as well, that every symptom um, should be looked at, you know, whether it's dry skin or acne, or the very insignificant, or what seem to be insignificant indicators are all indicators to your internal health. And there were indicators all the way along to suggest that there was something going on inside of me that was progressively getting worse. So this medication was there to alleviate pain and allow me to function in a normal way, but it was by no means there to reverse whatever was going on in my body and had the potential to do a lot of harm. So pretty much as soon as I started having these medications and blood tests and, you know, realized what the effects of these things were, I started to research what could be the underlying cause, uh, what are other ways in which people have uh, reversed certain things in your in your body, whether it be, I actually investigated a lot into cancer because there's a thread of cancer through my family history, uh, which definitely also predisposed to cholesterol. So there's heart disease in my family. And then autoimmune diseases is also in my family. So I started really looking at what do people do from a natural perspective to reverse these three types of things. And they all quite um, heavily correlate, of course, uh, the things that you can do in terms of eating a less inflammatory diet, um, having less cholesterol in your body, um, detoxifying every so often. Um, these things that um, you know are all actually basic tenets of, of Ayurveda uh, as to how to maintain your health and um, how to try and um, maintain your health in a way that you don't get progressive diseases or reverse them if you start to see those symptoms, were all the underlying tenets of the research that I started doing. So um, firstly, I just started to change my diet. Mm -hmm. So when you were doing the research and coming up with this information on anti-inflammatory diets and such, did a light go off and say, oh, this this is the type of food or meals that my grandmother serves us. Did you make the connection initially or? 
Oh, absolutely. Because as soon as you start to look at what those foods are, anti-inflammatories, for example, being things like ginger and turmeric and, you know, things that, you know, to help with your digestion being cumin and coriander and, um, you know, the, the use of garlic and ginger and garlic and heart disease. And I did start to think very quickly, um, there is something here that I already know. Uh, and it just, it felt, it felt so intuitively true and it made, it made so much sense and it made me feel a bit silly that I hadn't quite realized it later, but I had always felt very good after eating my grandmother's food. Mm-hmm. And my family loved to go out to, to restaurants, fast food restaurants, as people do, you know, so we'd go out shopping on a Saturday and we'd have, uh, you know, we'd go to Pizza Hut and I would always veer away from like the heaviest foods. Um, and I would always order a salad and still have a piece of garlic bread or something. And when my family had pizza and a Coke, um, but even just a salad didn't feel as intrinsically good as having a, a bowl of my grandmother's kitchery, which is one of her most famous dishes, one of Ayurveda's most famous dishes and one of my most famous dishes because I talk about it so much because it just, it made me feel, it made me feel good. It's actually um, a very simple dish and it helps your body take a rest and your digestive system take a rest. And I'd go home and my grandmother would say, what would you like to eat? And I'd say, kitchery all the time. And that's probably why. What's in it? Mung lentils, rice, at its most basic form, that's it. And then a taka of, of a little bit of spice, maybe just one like um, cumin for digestion or mustard seeds as a little heating. And, and that's it. And it just, it tastes like a, a hug in a bowl is how I used to describe it. And when I feed it to people, they, they're just, they say, I feel like I've just come home, you know, I've come home oh. to myself through this bowl of food. People have that reaction with this dish. It's very simple. It's kind of a very simple dish that allows your body to take that rest. You know, Ayurvedic practitioners will, will prescribe kitchery for, for you to have that every day for, and they'll say up to six weeks or so, because it just, it's a full protein, complete protein because of the lentils and rice. It gives your body a rest. The mung lentils are actually very good for detoxification. So it helps you detoxify as well. Um, and you can mix it up. You can add vegetables to it. You can add slightly different spices to it. Ayurveda believes in seasonal eating, so you can change your vegetables through the seasons and also what spices you would use in the summer versus the winter would also change to help where your digestive system would need Mm. more support in the winter or the summer, for example. Mm. It's a very, very simple dish that has probably saved my life because it was so obvious to me that my body needed that dish. And so when I started to read these things and when I started especially to read about Ayurveda, it just all kind of clicked into place and, and, and made sense as to what my body must have been going through to have developed these diseases. So once you found or discovered Ayurveda as, as being a potentially great resource for you for healing versus the medication, what did that do to your stress level? Or There must have been an incredible sense of relief. And then I'm curious to know, did you share this with your grandmother that you were going to get off these medications and that you were turning to basically the way that she had been eating all of her life and feeding her family <laughs> all of her life? I didn't talk to my grandmother about it. Um, I think what she would probably have noticed is that I became more enthusiastic, a more enthusiastic eater of her food. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um you know, I asked her to make certain dishes and I would, I would freeze them and I would eat them during the week, but I was still in my intense jobs. I was still traveling around the world. Um, and I was still working 80 hours a week. The amount of time I got to spend with anyone outside of my work colleagues was, was pretty minimal at that point. 
So I was really doing this and trying to sustain my life. And I, you know, I was really focused on just trying to understand this enough to be able to come off these medications. And so I actually did change my diet without telling anyone. And I kind of, it was, this is self-experiment with myself. And I came off the medications, changed the diet, went back. They did the tests. The doctors were furious. They told me, oh, you shouldn't come off. And I wouldn't advise, you know, people to do this. Just, you know, do what your, your doctors tell you to a certain extent and do things in tandem with your doctors. But I chose to come off the medication and I went back to them and I said, I've come off the medication. I feel great. Please, can you retest? And they retest retested and there was no information i still have those scans where you can see the information in every single joint of my body so i know that that exists and existed and i kept those scans to remind me of what i can do to my body if i'm not paying attention but from that point on i just didn't need to go back and in fact they continued to um they told me i went to remission you know, wanted to continue to monitor me and they continue to monitor me. And I still have never had those inflammatory markers back mm-hmm. to this day. And that was over 15 years ago. Wow. The body is an absolutely remarkable operating system. And given the appropriate tools, it, it, it really can do amazing things on its own. Absolutely. And I think that is just something we've forgotten. Uh, you know, the the body continues to regenerate, to, to exist, to survive, to live. You know, your, your liver can regenerate, your skin regenerates. You see that in, in healing, that your skin regenerates. Somewhere along the line, we lost faith in our body's ability to heal. And we think somehow that our bodies are that are attacking us or that it's all to do with genetics. And any Western doctor will tell you that it's a small part in genetics. And there are some things that obviously play a larger role in genetics, but then it's triggers that trigger that disease within your body. And somewhere along the line, we just stop trusting our bodies. And I can understand why, because disease today is so prevalent, but on a day-to-day basis, what the body has to do in terms of the brain cells, the blood, the detoxification, the liver, the kidney, the regeneration, if we just stepped back and realized what our bodies have to do on a day-to-day basis and then understood that if we just supported that, we would be able to assist our bodies in in self-healing, in being able to live more functional lives, in uh, increasing energy or decreasing anxiety. We could help our bodies be able to do that. We can support our bodies in doing that. Then I just think that we would think about medicine in in a very different way. So there must have been a point in your career where you took a turn or <laughs> you you woke up and said, okay, I, I need to get off this hamster wheel or I, I, I want to dedicate my life to Ayurveda. What, what was it? So the, the turning point in my life was actually my grandmother's passing and she passed a month after I had got married. So, um, you know, we had spent some wonderful time together. And I'd moved, uh, you know, five years prior to the States. So she was due to come out after my wedding to visit me in my home in New York. uh, And she was going to finally start teaching her recipes. Mm. Um, And so I had been writing about healthy eating because I understood the power of that for a long time. Um, I hadn't always focused so heavily on on Ayurveda. It's a holistic science that um, is more than just food. There's more than just exercise. It also 
you know, thinks about how you, what you take into your mind, um, how you set up your routines for your day. And it believes that all of those things, medicine, sound, sight, um, smells, so aromatherapy, chromotherapy, and it's a holistic lifestyle. So I, I hadn't dedicated, I hadn't gone all that, that way. I had spent a lot of the time focused on the food, uh, my digestion, trying to slow down my life somewhat and, um, and really healing myself from that perspective. But I hadn't fully dedicated my life to Ayurveda. So my grandmother was due to come visit me and she had checked in for a flight she had packed her suitcases. She had two suitcases, one full of food so that she could teach me her recipes and um, with some of her equipment and the other with her clothes and, you know, the usual things that you bring. That night she was rushed into hospital. I got a call the next day to say she was in hospital and they thought I should come. None of us really knew what was going on, to be honest. Uh, my grandma was in pretty perfect health. Uh, for a 93-year-old, she was in pretty good health. She was still walking. She was still very sarcastic, very sharp, um, you know, so we didn't really expect her to decline quickly without any warning from any kind of pre-existing condition. But I got on a plane that night and by the next day I missed her by about two hours. If I'd gotten earlier, you know, slightly earlier flight, I always think to myself, but I don't think I could have been there for her passing because I just think my heart would have broken. So after her passing, I was left with this suitcase full of ingredients all the ingredients that kind of we had talked about in terms of turmeric and cumin and coriander and all the things that she used to use in her cooking, but she had never taught me to, to cook because I would come home from school too late and have homework to do. So I would taste her food. And it's through that, those tastes, through those memories that I started to recreate her recipes in the kitchen, sometimes just in the middle of the night when I was thinking about her. And I think it was really, it was me processing my grief and my relationship with her it was a way of connecting back because I was, wasn't ready to let go. And it is through starting to research some of these spices, some of these methods, some of these dishes that I started to realize the power within them. Um, and then I, I started to write the recipe book for my family so that they'd be able to be, and be able to recreate themselves, but also be able just to have those tastes back um, when they missed my grandmother but I realized that her life wasn't just a sum of recipes. It was a, it was a whole life philosophy. And that I realized was Ayurveda. Um, like I said before, in terms of the routine to wake up, she woke up every morning at 4am to sit and, and pray and meditate. She did the same closing at night. And I think it allowed her to bookend her day and open with a grateful heart and focus on something just bigger than herself. I, realize that those routines there's a great discipline that comes to those routines and you have a discipline in one part of your life and it translates to other parts of your life um, she always did yoga she wasn't standing on her head although apparently my grandfather stood in his head and that was one of his favorite moves that she I could see her stretching in the morning doing um, the basic yoga moves um, to just keep herself limber and to be able to make sure she could touch her toes and stand up with strength um, she refused a, a walking stick because she didn't want to feel old and I thought that was funny at the time, but now I understand that that's a mental discipline. You don't bring it into yourself that you are old. You bring it to yourself that you are strong, that you are capable, and you continue in that pathway. And now I understand that, that what that really meant. You know, she, she was a very giving community-led person, and I believe that giving back is actually a big part of creating a community that also helped give her a sense of well-being and um, giving back to others, I think, gave her her joy. I think some 
some beautiful quotes. I think it's Winston Churchill who said, you make a life by what you give, not what you get. Um, and apologies if I've misquoted who that's by, but I think that there's something very uh, profound within that. And I think that, you know, it has been proved over time that, you know, community and giving and gratitude actually do help you from a health perspective. Really, as I started to, to reconnect with my grandmother through my grief, I was having like, it's like having a conversation with her through the food and through remembering and studying her life. And I wrote all of that into the book too, so that my, so that her grandchildren and my family had a record of that to be able to be passed down to their children um, as well. She saw a lot of grandchildren, but I want to make sure that that legacy doesn't die out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was when, then when I realized it was Ayurveda that was the connector to all of these things. And I actually went to do a charity cycle and I met in the bar afterwards. They were having celebratory drinks for raising money for the charity. And I met the girlfriend of the instructor who did, who instructed the spin class. And I started talking to her and she basically told me about how she had just finished qualifying as Ayurvedic practitioner. And I asked her about, um, you know, where she did that and, she told me about this place in New York under um, an Ayurvedic doctor that had practiced in India and then had come here and really wanted to teach um, American how about Ayurveda. And I looked it up and I started uh, that course <laughs> and started studying Ayurveda and became an Ayurvedic practitioner. So it's very strange how these little meetings or these little turning points um, seem so insignificant at the time, but actually can change the course of your life. Right. Very serendipitous, one would say. It's a remarkable story, you know, that you 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 took your chronic illness, you found Ayurveda as a way to to heal, and and now you bring that to others. Yeah, I think that that is ultimately my grandmother's legacy to be able to bring love and healing to other people. But mm-hmm. one of the other reasons that I think Ayurveda is so powerful is that it's it's a health system that you can practice without spending a lot of money, which means it's a yes universal health system it's a health system that's accessible to everyone that you can use your most basic faculties your like i said before aromatherapy or chromotherapy you know thinking about the colors that bring bring you peace thinking about the sounds that bring you peace thinking about the smells that bring you peace the things that really can actually calm your nervous system down um, thinking about what you put into your body to either revitalize yourself or bring down anxiety, for example. All of that is fully accessible and it's a universal healthcare system. That was what it was originally created for when we didn't have a different type of medical system but can still be used by that and then supported when you need allopathic medicine, when you're in a car crash and you need it surgery, where really those things um, that's where you really want to lean on that system. But to maintain your health and your well-being, I think Ayurveda is is something that's just accessible to all. And that was something my grandmother was obviously all about as well, that everyone should have access to, to healthcare. Everyone should be have access to unconditional love. And it didn't matter who it was. Um, we often had strangers at our table all through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she talked to anyone and everyone on outside of our door on the street, on the high street, because she believed in those tenants. And I think that it feels to me like part of her legacy gets to live on through me, through practicing Ayurveda and kind of bringing that to other people too. 
Thank you very much. What a beautiful story. And your grandmother sounds like an amazing person. She really sounds like the essence of Ayurveda. Thank you so much for being with us today, Natasha. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. Please like us, share us, and tell your friends about us. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach us at thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us today at The Health Ability Project. We'd love to hear from you, so please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests, to thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. And please like us, subscribe, and share us with your friends.